When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just when I thought I was out, they dragged me back in. Viewers, listeners, it's bloody back on. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and despite my camera issues and Andy's camera issues, we are all here. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. My name is Rory, and I am joined by my very good friends, Adam and Andy. How are we doing, boys? How was your weekend? I'm going to start with you, Andy. Good weekend, bad weekend? Yes, yeah, been, been a decent weekend. Uh, so yes, looked after the dog in his spare time, watching a bit of football, recovering from persistent backache. It's been, it's been, it's been all right. <laughs> ups and downs, ups and ups downs. And downs nice. Adam, what about your weekend? Yeah, very good. Good relaxing one with the family. Um, but you boys are going to have to potentially pick me up as I hear news of Gareth Ainsworth potentially departing for QPR. But we'll wait and see. Because there's so many rumours about that job and that's a nutcase of a place. So hopefully he realises his ways and stays a legend at Wickham. But we'll wait and see, Rory. How about yours? We've got everything crossed for you. Well, I was in Turin um, for the good lady's birthday. We're going to get onto a story about that later. But it was a really <laughs> beautiful city if you're ever in the north of Italy. I feel like it's a city that's a little bit ignored because it's so close to mm. Milan. Beautiful city. It's got a river. It's got mountains. It's got everything. It's got incredible food. So really good day there was definitely helped by the fact that Arsenal turned it around because that was going to be <laughs> a very moody walk around Turin otherwise. Um, but yeah, good weekend. And honestly, it's like we've skipped winter. The weather is insane here at the minute. Mm. So really, really beautiful. But guys, we're going to kind of do our little fun stories of the week before we get into the main show. And I want to start with the Serie B promotion race. Now, it is getting hot down there. There's so much competition between the places. Not only are Bari, of course, involved and still keeping the fight, despite trying their best to fuck it up. Currently, between second place and all the way down to fifth, they are separated by four points. We have Genoa on 43, Bari on 40, Sudtirol on 40, and Regina on 39. You've even got Cagliari below them on 36. Not, Not out of the fight yet. It feels like Frosinone at the top are head and shoulders above. They're currently on 55 points. <laughs> they're definitely going to win the league. Um, I think they're still led by um, the oh, Grosso as well, right? I need to quickly check that. Fabio but, uh, Grosso, yeah, Fabio yeah. Grosso, ex-World Cup winner as their manager, absolutely killing it. But just keep an eye out on the promotion race in Serie B because it mm. is hotting up and there's a lot of teams around there. So Barney have just just drawn one all at home to Cagliari. Despite Cagliari going down to 10 men, Barney made really hard work of it, went 1-0 down, but then managed to equalise in the 93rd minute through a penalty, I think, just to kind of save their disgraces. But it is getting interesting down there. So towards the end of the season, we might get someone on who can talk a bit more Serie B in detail. But guys, if you have the chance to watch it, it is getting great and fascinating down there. Also, check out the Palermo goal by Verde. 
scored yeah. from his own half in the 38th minute. Always love seeing that. Bit of a Beckham. Like, what do you think of it, Adam? He proper scooped it, eh? Yeah, I think it was one of those that's kind of reactionary. And mm -hmm. our, one of our guests, Alfredo, was there. So um, I'm sure there'll be some sort of vlog that he'll be sharing on YouTube. But yeah, he did look a bit tanned after being in the sun of that Palermo <laughs> Stadium. So he's not very covered up there, to be fair. But it did look no. epic, to be fair. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic hit. That's all you can say. That's it. Maybe not Beckham, maybe more. Do you remember when Matty Taylor absolutely spammed one yeah, for Portsmouth? Yeah, like he loved yeah. to he loved to hit that fella. <laughs> he fucking but yeah, he, <laughs> he could did. absolutely yeah. spam it. Eh? Um, but we need to talk, Adam. You kind of touched on it, and then Andy, we're gonna go to you, but Adam, you kind of touched on it. Possible end of an era for Wickham, possible. Mm, we got everything yeah. crossed for you that it isn't. For people who don't follow Wickham or haven't really aren't aware of Ainsworth, how much does he mean to that club? Like he's been there a long time, eh? I think I reflect on it tonight, kind of thinking he's almost the fabric of our team right now, the club, and he he instills this kind of confidence in the team and the players. And it's when you get in, people kind of say how superlative his skill set is. Like, you know, when he first came to the club, obviously he started in a caretaker role after some really poor management runs. We had the likes of Gary Wallach and Peter Taylor in charge, for example. Um, so that shows you how the depths were at that mm -hmm. point. And he almost got us relegated. And um, I think, you know, I don't think any other club would have kept him under the circumstances, but we couldn't afford to sack him. That's how bad it was. But I think he learned a lot from that season and he's just like kind of been one of us, almost like a fan, just managing the team pushing the team and he's done some incredible stuff i mean just to get us to the heights of the championship in what was like deemed like not even possible with a team like wickham mm -hmm. it's incredible and i was reflecting to you guys offline it does feel like a fergie when he left man united moment where you kind of don't appreciate necessarily what he's done until he's left and it, mm -hmm. it does feel like I don't begrudge Ainsworth ever leaving us. That day will happen. And if that mm -hmm. happens this week, I'll be gutted. Um, but it's a surreal experience because we've been so used to having him in our team and just leading us. And, you know, I think the fact that still he rars opposition team supporters and, you know, that, that that's kind of that Wimbledon ethos. I think that's where mm -hmm. he's drawn that from. You know, he's kept that camaraderie within that kind of team spirit I don't think there's a manager like him about. I've, uh, and I know that so sounds really far-fetched because he is kind of different. He has his own style. He is a rocker. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't get those kind of characters these days, especially saying from an English perspective. Maybe abroad you might see it a yeah. lot, but certainly not from an English perspective. You tend to see that. So personally, we'll be absolutely gutted if he does leave us. But this day was going to happen. It just feels maybe the timing's just not right. I'd be happy if he left at the end of the season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think leaving mid-season would always leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Mm. You'd be like, oh, you could have just seen that last season out. Like, you've been here exactly, 13 yeah. years. You can wait that extra four months, if you know what I mean, like, and just kind of, yeah, I can I can kind of get that. From And obviously, it's in different circumstances now, looking back at it with hindsight, but I remember when Dario Grady left yeah. and how much it took crew to get over that and how long he there. Now, obviously... 
looking back now, <laughs> we wish he was never there. But at the time, how much that was kind of like such an adjustment period for the club. So I do remember. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed he doesn't go anywhere just yet for yeah. you. Um, but Andy, speaking of ends of eras, you're going from one set of bastards to another set of bastards. Yes. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. Fill us in on the Manchester United uh, ownership takeover situation. What do you think of it? Let's try to keep it short, but effectively sweet. Uh, so the Rain Group <laughs> are the uh, banking group that have been charged with effectively finding suitable bidders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the club, you know, as we're aware by now, is up for a sale or fresh investment. But I think it's unlikely at this stage people are going to give the Glazers a few hundred million quid or billions mm-hmm. without wanting to know who's in charge of the club. So, so far, there's been two, I think, confirmed bids. So one of them is from the Ineos Group, headed up by Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, you know, he's a he was born in the Greater Manchester area. Tried to bid for Chelsea mm-hmm. last year as well. Um, obviously, he's got uh, the sporting interest in Nice. Um, yeah. So I suppose there's concerns of how that will work if both teams are competing in the Champions League. But if Red Bull could make it work, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, not so that but he's also obviously got other sporting interests, such as the um, recycling team, which he took over from the Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also got the sailing team headed up by Ben Ainsley. So there is a big sort of sporting portfolio there, um, if you like. So, and um, there is a second Qatari bid. Now, it was a few weeks ago, a lot of people were saying, well, because of the ownership situation of PSG and the fact they're not looking to sell up, it, it was thought that a bid was unlikely. However, that appears to be incorrect because uh, we have Sheikh Jassim Bahamid Altani um, who's entered the mix. Now, he's the head or chairman of the uh, Qatari Islamic Bank, basically. Okay. Um, so he's very high up. And obviously, the, the, the majority shareholders of said bank is the, uh, is the Qatar investment or the Qatar investment fund, basically. So similar to, I guess, with Newcastle, you've got like the Saudi investment fund. Yeah. Similar kind of thing, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and obviously the, the chairman of that one. There's a, in a way, I think to cut a long story short, there's not too hard to find links between the Qatari ownership, the Qatari government, mm-hmm. well, Qatari ownership of PSG, should I say, and the Qatari government, and also there. So it's being marketed or attempted to be spun as being just an independent dude with, who's just woke up one morning and thought, you know what? I fancy bidding for Man United. He's apparently a lifelong Manchester United fan, okay. by all accounts. Um, so, cool. Yeah, yeah, he's just a random guy with a few billion quid to spare, and that's basically what they're trying to um, spin it as. Uh, but, you know, as we spent a lot of time doing over the course of the World Cup, I think it's fair to say that you don't become a billionaire in guitar without mm-hmm. having without being in bed with the government and there's obviously people a hell of a lot more qualified than me you you know adam essentially saying uh who've reported on this you know you've really got to listen to the likes of um miguel delaney who's been taking some absolute pelters on twitter yeah um adam it, crafton as well i want to give adam a crafton, out to yeah, yeah he, you know philippe <clears throat> Auclair, there's there's a good there's a good set of journalists out there who've been reporting on state ownership and i think i also want to go at a lot of Manchester united fans i've seen online mm-hmm. some of them you know i'm not just talking about random people you're talking people with 
sometimes hundreds of thousands of followers mm -hmm. effectively going yep guitar we want them in we don't care about the rest of it um and that's unfortunately like you know you know we've seen the arguments that people have used to justify you know Manchester City fans have used to justify mm -hmm. the state ownership Newcastle fans I've seen Manchester United fans do it as well and it's the same old shit every single time it's mm -hmm. all what about Twitter being half owned by Saudi what about this what yeah. about this what about this without actually answering the question mm -hmm. um and, and you know you feel like just turning around and saying well I, why, why don't you just turn around and say you don't care about you know the lgbtq community yeah. you don't care about women you know everybody knows this is what happened to those um migrant workers yeah. um over the course of the world cup and obviously we featured the cars of guitar of mm -hmm. which have got numerous mm -hmm. examples of injustices i was even i was even reading the guardian today an instance where a gentleman who was um advising people on how to try and get some money you know wages that are earned he's after the world cup been thrown in jail you know the sham trial and it's just yeah i think anybody i'm against state ownership in any way shape or form mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people try to say oh it's just because you don't want you know um trying to put racism involved in it but i'm sorry yeah, yeah. if joe biden mm -hmm. if joe biden woke up tomorrow morning and went i want to buy a man united i'll be just as weirded out if you think about it that way it's like uh, richie sunak i think he's a southampton fan by yeah yeah guys. yeah Imagine him waking up tomorrow morning and going, you know what, as part of my private private interest, I'm going to buy Southampton. <laughs> yeah, that is a massive point. He yeah, could definitely afford he, it, though. He, he could, could definitely, definitely afford it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But when you put it in that, if you said, if you, and if you were to say that, like about, you know, our government doing the same thing, you think, well, that's bloody ridiculous. Yeah. But because it's yeah. elsewhere, it seems to be acceptable. And yeah, I think it's just been disappointing from a personal point of view, saying, you know, we've laughed at Manchester City and Newcastle and all of that kind of stuff mm. for years and years and years. And yet you're seeing a lot of people, you know, with big followings and things like that effectively do exactly the same mm. thing. And I just don't, as a supporter, I don't want to see my club just become another oil state. There's, there seems to be a line spun that, um, oh, it's only the Qataris or whoever has the money to invest in what the club needs yeah. all right there is big investment needed you've got a ground that needs a bit of tlc you've got a training ground that needs updating you've got a whole infrastructure which has probably been neglected for the 17 years the glazers are there but that could be done you know organically plenty of other plenty of other premier league clubs are managing to do it without state ownership Liverpool yeah. are doing yeah. it arsenal are doing it like it's possible what i think the one thing that disappointed me with like now, obviously, I, I don't like Manchester United, right? But what I've always had towards Manchester United is a massive level of respect because the club has principles and it always has had principles, even going down to the, <coughs> there, being, there being a youth product in the team every match since 1931 or whatever it is. Like, that mm. club has always had principles. It's always been about, like, working people. Like, Alex Ferguson definitely imprinted that into the club as well. Like, and what i don't like is like for for united fans surely they must know that the club has these principles that's part of the reason why they love the club like it's part of the reason why i love arsenal because we have this class about us that i think and we have these certain rules that we follow and united have the same thing and i think for all the fans to or not all the fans for a lot of fans to just turn around and go now nah, sod that we want the brand new shiny money it's just really really i think sad i think yeah absolutely i think what we're saying a little bit 
with, uh, I think what we're seeing is a bit of a difference between the fan base. Mm -hmm. So there is the match going for the fan base. So the Athletic, as an example, did a um, a poll for their subscribers about who they want to take over right. as the um, new owners. And I think about 71% of that vote was in the direction of St. Jim Radcliffe. Okay. Um, now, you would suspect that my sample includes paying subscribers who are, you know, maybe more match going fans yeah. or more local based given where the publication is. Yeah, um, yeah. And the view, and I think I feel like the view of the match going fans, and uh, maybe the ones based over here primarily seem to feel that, um, you know, stick keeping it local. We don't want to go into that state ownership model. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I think we have to remember that Manchester United, you know, a bit like Liverpool, and unlike Manchester City, without wanting to make an unnecessary dig, I think it's worth pointing out where Manchester City were as a football club yeah. going back in 2008 uh, with a very localised, passionate, big, mm -hmm. and lo but very, very localised support. Um, you know, they only had to win over one set of fans, basically, yeah. whereas with Manchester United, you've got millions upon millions of fans all over the world. And I think it's probably worth mentioning that there's millions of fans who, you know, don't care. Yeah, to put it frankly, yeah, yeah. they do yeah, not yeah. care about the, the human rights and that side of it. All they want is they want to see their clubs win trophies and yeah, yeah, yeah. anything else aside from that is just not important to them. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the voices that you're hearing on the seeing, well, seeing on the mm -hmm. internet at yeah. the moment. I think it's a lot of, um, it's not to say there's, there's also um, UK based YouTube channels and fan channels giving it, you know, the guitars the only way forward. I think it's just. It's just very disappointing, and mm -hmm. you know, I was, my girlfriend actually um, pulled me up um, on an awkward question. She says, "Well, what do you do if that guitar take takeover goes through?" Because obviously, she's heard me, you know, rant yeah, about yeah, yeah. guitar and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, that is a very awkward question. That <laughs> I, I need to think about that one. <laughs> yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah. that is a very awkward yeah. question. I do not have yeah, the yeah. answer to. Yeah. And, Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to quickly ask a question. Uh, I don't know mm. if Andy knows this, but um, I saw a tweet that said Jim Radcliffe's bid was to essentially buy out all of the Glazers' share in a club. Do you know if the Qatar bids have similar stances or it's is it a proportion that gives Glazers a share in the club as well? No, so the club is 79%, 79.7% the Glazers. So technically speaking, the Glazers don't own all of the club as it is. Yes. But yeah. uh, there's also, but they own all the, the shares majority, with, the bigger, with the bigger, they own the majority of the shares and they also own the shares of a greater uh, voting power. Okay. There's a uh, different right. class of shares basically. So effectively the shares in terms of voting power and influence, the shares, the other 20% is effectively worthless. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, of course. a supporter. So both bids are essentially to buy out the Glazer's portion. And I guess mm. the other side of it is there's five Glazer siblings yeah. um, that have spawned. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, what complicates it a little bit further is that Joel and Avram, who are the ones who've been more involved in the running of the club, mm. that apparently, I don't know how true this is, uh, less reluctant to sell on that storage might be driving up the price, whereas the other three siblings kind of want to be done with it, basically. Right. So yeah. it's not... It's, that's basically how that bid's going to work. And I think there's also been the question of how the debt that the Glazers, um, you know, provided. Yeah, yeah. It's a welcome present. Now, mm. the Qatari bid of 
understandably they've come out big and they said we'll clear the debt we're going to invest in this we're going to invest in that whereas the understanding of the um, jim ratcliffe bid is that the debt won't be gone overnight as such it'll essentially be transferred from manchester united over to the ineos group as a whole and we're okay, going right. to become the responsibility of the ineos group as opposed to manchester united directly Martin's um, doing the opposite of what the Glazers did. Against the club. Yeah. yeah. How you know how that will impact Manchester United, we don't know because they could in theory mm. still choose to take money from the club to service that yeah, or yeah. maybe pay a portion of it. So I don't know how that's gonna work. Like I said, I'm sure Sir Jim Ratcliffe knows, but I don't. But that's the understanding of mm. where that bid is. So yeah, from my personal point of view, like I I would want to see someone like Jim Ratcliffe, who, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's a local lad. He's um, all right. I mean, he's, he's a billionaire. So he's probably done some dodgy shit in the past. Yeah, let's be honest. They all, <laughs> they all so, have. You know, I'm not saying he's like the angel of the North or anything like that, but he's also got a sporting, <laughs> he's also got like a sporting background. Yeah. With a very sports team that he's owned. And yeah, I think, um, I feel like there'd be a return to being the club being run in a sustainable way. And like I said, Manchester United don't need a nation state no. money. We don't. Mm. We're perfectly capable, even through while the Glazers have taken a billion pounds out of the club, Manchester United have still spent that kind of money yeah. on transfer fees since Fergie have left, albeit a lot of it badly. <laughs> and well, the money's still been there. The money's, the money's still been there. The money's yeah. still been there. I think all it needs is just competent management, a proper yeah. footballing structure in place, and that alone will be enough to see Manchester United back to where they, uh, I think, should be. Probably sounds arrogant, but no, but it's where it's they should be, and it is where they yeah. should be. Really, it's where they should be. But it sounds like it's going to rumble on. We're going to have to go and go actually to the main show there. But Andy, that was great. Really feel like I know a lot more about it now. So mm. we. Listeners, we are going to go for a very quick break and we will be back for some Serie A action right after. Oh, wait, I need the video. (laughs) Right after this. And here we are. It's the Serie A section and we are going to start. There's only one place to start. We are up in Bergamo. And my question is, Baroni, manager of the season, as he guides Lecce to a 2-1 win in Bergamo and leaves the Salentini all the way up in, where are they, 13th place in their first season back Mm. in the Premier League and a full 10 points above the relegation zone. They've now got one of the best defences in the league. They don't score many, but they do not concede many. But they got two against Atalanta. The second one in particular was incredibly soft. I need We need to talk about Atalanta's defending. But, Adam, what have you made about Lecce so far this season? And Baroni, who's been incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And, again, different players on the score sheet this time round for Lecce. But, yeah, as you allude to, very soft second goal. But the first one by Cisse was an incredible hit from mm-hmm. distance as well. You have to question what the Atalanta goalkeeper was doing there. Um, but generally, it just didn't seem like Atalanta were there at the races. I know they kind of put a bit more pressure towards the second half and um, Hoyland, you know, and Lukman didn't really seem like they were comfortable. Um, that said, Falcone made some incredible saves during the course of this match. And when I was looking at the match, I was kind of like, 
why is this guy not at a bigger club? And then he reminds me on the 87th minute when Hoylands charges down a uh, kind of kick. Uh, it lands in the back of the net. But then he pulls off an amazing save for Muriel as well. So he mm -hmm. redeems himself in that sense. Um, as for Baroni, I mean, yeah, I was looking through his history. He's had quite a few clubs, it has to be said. And he seems like he's got a bit more settled in recent times. Obviously, yeah. Regina, where he then got the move towards uh, Lecce and got them promoted from Serie B. It's incredible pathway. And the fact is, I think there was a stat a few weeks ago that said of the top five that he's taken points pretty much off every single yeah. club now. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, Atalanta, a second time, he's got three points there as well. Um, and well, I have drawn... the same question here yeah. as well. But just to kind of answer your question, I think he's just behind Spalletti for... Yeah, he's going to be Spalletti, isn't he? Unfortunately. But if he wasn't there, then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, incredibly, he would definitely be the coach of the year. It's going to be Spalletti, of course it is. But I think yeah. what I really like now, Baroni, his playing career was fascinating as well. He mm, played with yeah. Maradona in the Napoli team. He scored the goal to seal the Scudetto in the 90 season. I think he scored the goal to win the, the, the title. So really fascinating career. But what I love about his team, and I thought what they did really well this game, because we've seen like Atalanta, they're very direct, but they tend to be through the middle, right? Yeah. They tend to be like Hoyland running through the middle, like burst through the centre of yeah, the field. Exactly. And what Lecce do is force everyone out wide. They're so super compact with that 4-5-1 yeah. that Atalanta just could not break through them. I think Untiti has been, when they signed him, I was like, that is a very clever signing because yeah. he's he's still a very good player. He obviously had a lot of issues at Barcelona, as a lot of other players did. But what he's found is a team that's going to give him 90 minutes every week as long as he's fit. There's not the pressure that was on him at Barcelona. And he's able to be this ball-playing defender and make these charging runs mm -hmm. out of the back. Him and Bachelotto are great at it. At the right moment, They'll just push out defense and provide extra pressure in the midfield and they just kill attacks. And I thought they, they were just, do, yeah. they, they were really like their press and their organization is incredible. And then they've got people up front who are able to take chances. So people like Stefetza, who we've talked about. Now, Lecce really haven't scored many goals, right? No. But what they've done is you don't need to. If you, It's the old school Italian, like, Serie A in the 90s will win 1-0. <laughs> like, if you know what I mean, it doesn't matter. Exactly. But yeah. I think tactically, they're just fantastic and they're the youngest average squad in Serie A. Yeah. Um, so they do have the youngest age. I just think they're absolutely crushing it. So it's great to see. Um, but Andy, I'm going to ask you about Atalanta. The defending on that uh, the oh, corner for the second fun. one, I think the dummies on the training pitch might have moved more than the defenders <laughs> for that one. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I was—I thought COVID was still in place because there's lots of social distancing <laughs> in place. I mean, I think it's one of those like you know, think you can just imagine that you sat—you sat, sat there in the half time going, right, lads, make sure you pick up your man in the corner. You've practiced drills probably you know for at least a few hours during the week. Yeah. You know, you mark this person, you mark this person. It's basics, isn't it? Like even, mm -hmm. even when you play get like seven aside, it's like everyone get a man. He's yours. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately yeah. the Atalanta side uh, decided that uh, for Blint nobody was the man. No. So he just had a free no. header on goal. And uh yeah, I mean they bought that on themselves, um to be honest, I think um you know, it, was, it was a bit of like a football manager score line where although Atalanta had a lot of chances, you just didn't they just didn't feel like they created 
many good enough quality mm. ones to be able to score really um yeah i think they've been a little bit like that all season they've have lapses of concentration i think yeah. is what's on doing at atalanta at the moment you know even for the first goal there was a bit of fun as i say it's just felt like hey he's not gonna shoot from there it'll be fine yeah and then he did yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't fine i mean even the goalkeeper seemed a little bit surprised by it yeah um, mm. like yeah they just seem to get themselves caught out uh, a lot like i said you know i don't think atalanta had any sort of serious trouble this season but i think it is some their defense is what's stopping them from being mm. able to really push for those top four positions because mm. it's still it's still very much open for them but yeah they just it, need to it, sort yeah. it out really it has put a bit of a like a tiny dent they're now on 41 points in sixth place and they're three points behind milan who are in fourth it, like andy kind of touched on like in their last five they've lost two draw drawn one and won two so it's definitely like just flip a coin to see yeah. what like, <laughs> to do today but what i found really mad was the fact that their midfield was so easy to run through like I think Coop Miners was a player that I was really excited about. And I think this season, he's, his level has dropped a bit. And it felt like he wasn't really able to get those tackles in and stop the ball coming through. It felt like every time Lecce did get the ball and go on an attack, they just walked through. Like, mm -hmm. on the transition, Atalanta were absolutely all over the place. Like, Adam, what did you make of that performance? I think it is, like you say, it's just you don't know which Atalanta side does turn up. And uh, like to your point about Coop Miners, I think since the World Cup that he's mm. kind of dropped off because if you remember him and Pasalic were doing really well for Atalanta and suddenly it's just not been the same side yeah. I'm just trying to think when was the last time we saw De Arun as well play in the middle of the park because mm. like it's been a while I appreciate he's a different type of player but obviously it seems like um was called Gian Piero Gasparini's like fancying mm. a more attacking midfield because he's completely gone away from the pragmatic style that kind of won them games yeah. at the first part of the season and he's gone back to old Atalanta almost. So which is great like, at times. Yes, at times. it's great aesthetically, <laughs> but not great if you're an Atalanta fan, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they just want results. And this is the thing, I think when I was looking at the table last, and I have to bring it up, but I think Juve seem like they're closer mm -hmm. getting to that spot now than they ever have. So, yeah. They are currently nine points. Nine points behind Atalanta. It is not insurmountable. It definitely is not insurmountable. So, we've said it before, Juve are always on the horizon. They're never fully there. <laughs> yeah. they're like, in the film, when it's you like didn't that kill... Sunset, isn't it? Yeah, like in the film when you didn't kill the bad guy, right? You, you <laughs> yeah. missed your chance. You should have killed. He gets him the third again. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're just always. I mean, there. hopefully the Italian prosecutors might finish that shot. <laughs> they won't miss. What they won't quite, miss this. You time. know what? Actually, I kind of want Juve to go on a barnstorming run where they win 15, 16 games in a row and they just get relegated anyway. <laughs> oh, good try though. Good try. Good try. Yeah. yeah goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> But we have to tip our hat to Lecce and say what an unbelievable result for them. They're having a great mm. season. And another team that's come up from Serie B, and it's happening more now in Serie A, that are coming up and establishing themselves, hopefully. Next they season, all they need to do is build on that attack and get just, you've got the defence, because all they did in the summer was buy defenders, shock. What they yeah. need to do next <laughs> summer is go out and buy some attackers There's and build on There's a big news coming through Serie A live. So Torino are playing Cremonese, who... 
they'll never win a game in their entire life. But they have equalised against Torino away from home, literally about three minutes ago. Um, oh, it so could happen. Maybe it would be very could, Torino for that. May, maybe we can see <laughs> history live on the pod. Uh, we, we will announce it if it happens, but that would be very Torino for them to be the first team to lose to Cremonese. That would be very Torino. We do need to move on from Lecce, and we're going to go to... It was an unhappy visit for Silvio as his old team came to visit his new home and Milan win 1-0. Now, this is a big result for Milan. This is a ground where not many teams have won. We talked about it on Thursday where this has been, I think, um, Juve lost here, right? I think Inter struggled there. Like A lot of teams have not done well at that ground. But Junior Messias, who's been coming in for a bit of stick from the Milan fans, played back in his attacking midfielder role, gets the goal and gets the win for Milan. Now, this is huge. Adam, what did you make of this result? Were you surprised? I was a little bit surprised. Surprised in terms of the style as well, because I think mm-hmm. Milan really turned it on in the first half. They were quite solid. Tonali and Kunic in particular seemed to control that midfield. And we were talking about the credentials of Monza, especially with Palladino and it didn't seem like we saw that in the first half. It seemed like Milan was the Milan that we're used to seeing in past games. Like previously, they've obviously not had a great run of late, um, but it almost feels like that Champions League match against Spurs has really spurred them on, creating that kind of momentum. (laughs) And um, yeah, believe it or not, you know, that was probably the result that they needed, something like that to get a win under the board. And Liao, again, it looks like we were seeing the better Liao than we have been of recent times. Um, but that said, obviously, Monza had to re- rely on De Gregorio as well in goal. I mean, he had to pull off some incredible saves as well just to keep the scoreline down to 1 0. Um, in the second half, Carreria has also had a shot mm-hmm. with Tatarasano um, coming off his back. And then yeah. I think it was post <laughs> and his back before it went off for corner. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of lucky, I suppose, to an extent, if you compare it to Martinez uh, against say, Arsenal. The, the so gods weren't shining similar on them like vibes, at Villa Park. Yeah, yeah. It was similar <laughs> vibes, that's for sure. Um, so Monza did play better in the second half. But um, yeah, I, I think it was well-deserved result in the end for Milan. And probably helps them out because they've got a tough run as well, I believe. Uh, they've got Atalanta, I believe, next. Um, so that could be a very tasty game in Bergamo as well. So, And then I think followed by that, you've got Spurs' second match. And then I think I want to say Fiorentina at home as well. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be quite important for their league campaign anyway. That's for got sure. a bit of a tough run. They've got, uh, as you said, Atalanta at home. They've got Fiorentina away. The second leg mm. of Spurs... But then we've got Salernitana, so don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I think a huge win for Milan, and this does put them um, back in kind of control, uh, kind of, of their European mm. destiny. They are on 44 points alongside Roma and still three points behind Inter, who did manage to get a win. Slightly fortuitous, I think, even though it was 3-1, but they did manage to get a win. So Milan, that was a huge, huge win with teams around them all winning apart from Atalanta. But the next game we need to go on to, and I'm quite excited to talk about this, even though the game was utterly terrible and absolutely woeful, Solbakken or Goldbacken mm. gets his goal and is one of the few shining lights as Roma beat Verona 1-0. Now, Verona have been really turned around by their new manager, really starting to get a bit of a, a run together. And they 
put in a proper performance here against Roma. Now, Roma had a really, um, like, shuffled team after Europe. Like, they, there was quite a, a stacked bench. Like, Dybala wasn't playing. Yep. Tammy Abraham had to go off. Matic wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a, a lot of change in personnel. Mm-hmm. But what I think we saw from Roma here was that they've got a bit of strength in depth and they can just grind wins out because... I'm going to say they didn't really deserve this one, um, but they had that quality from Solbakken and they just saw it out. I think towards the end, it was proper trench warfare, backs to the wall stuff. And it <laughs> was classic Mourinho. special though, isn't it? Trench warfare. Absolutely. Just get it done. Absolutely. And the biggest headline was Karsdorp was back in the team. Yeah, the man who was exactly. very much like thrown into the sea by Mourinho <laughs> was, was thrown back into the team as he needs to be able to cycle this squad around. But, um, Adam, I'll go to you first then, Andy. What did you think of this Roma performance? They are quietly putting a pretty good season together. This is another win without conceding at home. Yeah, it's important that they got a clean sheet. Um, as you allude to, they did rotate the squad. Zalewski didn't start for this match either. Um, and as you say, Dybala, I think that's the interesting one. So that's the third injury that he's had this season already. So doesn't there's kind of unknowns around whether he's going to make it for the Europa game against uh, Salzburg. But yeah, that didn't look like a great injury for Tammy Abraham as well. That I was mean, a that rough was, one. Yeah, that's quite a rough like corner to be fair, because all I saw was bodies on the floor. It's just like geez, everybody everywhere on the floor. Yeah. It was just like another world war basically. Um, but yeah, kudos to Olesel back and um, I think that's a bit of a quiet bit of business that Mourinho's mm-hmm. like kind of got away with, and he looks incredible. Three games in, and like the touches he had was quite. Yeah. Quite unknown, like for him to come from the Norwegian league, which we know has got kind of a bit of a reputation of building these kind of players up now. Um, and he slotted in really nicely. And I've yeah. got an interesting stat for you guys. I want you to guess on this. So he's the third Norwegian to score for Roma. Can you name the oh, other two? God. And Risa? these players, yep, that's one. Uh, I was going to say in the last 20 years, these players have been about. So it's not old. Risa and I can't think of another Norwegian. No, Littman had never played. He wasn't Norwegian, no. was he? He's oh. it's a str- I'll give you a clue. It's striker. Good Johnson? No. No. John Carew. John Carew. Oh, Carew. I forgot he was there. Yeah. I, th- I forgot he was good once. He good was job. very good once. <laughs> I remember there was a football manager where if you had him on corners, he scored. Basically, a corner was like a penalty. He just scored every single time. Every like, Yes, I got a corner. <laughs> he scored every single time. What a guy. Love John Carew. Um, yeah, I thought Solbakken was fantastic. And another player I wanted to kind of shout out as well was Bove in midfield. Mm. Um Roma youth product was just absolutely everywhere. And I know like Roma fans have a fairly, I don't know, they seem stupidly harsh on him because he's not Totti or De Rossi. I don't know, they seem to not <laughs> like him. But I thought he was really, really good and he was everywhere and he kind of showed a bit of fight, a bit of technical ability. And he's kind mm. of this season, he's becoming a bit of a breakout star in that yeah. team. I think Mourinho can see some in him. Um and then another one, I was just reminded that Mancini is an absolute bell end. He's just, yes, yeah. oh my God, he's such a prick. He's such a prick. He, he was shouting in the face of one of the Verona players, right? 
yeah. then it just reminded me there's a video of him full on punching um Afena Jean in the conference league. In the, yeah, in the final. It was and so just weird. every video you see from the broke, he looks like a prize bell end. And I was just yeah. reminded of it yesterday. I was like, oh god, he's such a hateable player. Um, but Andy, Roma this year, they're finding themselves firmly in the the Champions League battle they're up there 44 points level mm. with Milan and Inter do you think they'll get the Champions League Mourinho needs to deliver them Champions League we need him back in the big time right it feels like it feels like the Mourinho cycle is kind of sorting itself out to yeah be fair. like he always tends to have a good well unless it's Tottenham Hotspur because it's <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur but even at other clubs you know including at Manchester United he won the trophy in his first season mm-hmm. got a second the following year and it's not completely out of the question he could do something similar with, um, mm. with Roma and I think they are a club that does expect to be competing for Champions League positions mm. week in, week out and that's what ultimately was brought in to do um, and I think this is his best chance you know, with uh, Juve more or less out the picture, um, you know, and Milan and Lazio, that's had to be very inconsistent. Um, he's very, very good at just not being shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know yeah, it sounds yeah, yeah. simple, but he did it at Chelsea as well. He's just able to put together those one nils, two ones, those hard uh, fought wins. Um, you know, I guess if really it's always about what he does in the following season and what Roma could do as a club to push themselves further mm. because as we've seen over the years they've had a few false dawns should we say where yeah. every time you know even with the likes of peak de rossi and nangalan and players like that they've had in the past you know mm-hmm. but today there's still francesco totti still playing they always look like to one or two players away from having a f- proper squad yeah. together yeah, and yeah. then you know, they don't make the correct investment choices or the manager can't continue momentum. You know, we've seen it um, over the years with, like, with a few managers. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue it. But yeah, I think um, would I battle to finish in the top four this season? Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I really hope Mourinho gets them back in the big time. I really do. I think they've not been exciting to watch. And there's a lot of Roma fans mm. complaining, but it's been a lot better than anything Roma have had in the last couple of years in terms of like you know getting points on the board so I think pick your battles and take the wins when you get them to be honest um but we need to move on and just very quickly because it's just every week now (laughs) Cavara scores (laughs) Osman scores Napoli win um anything else to say about it boys it is ridiculous how easy they're making this league look that Cavara goal was genuinely Maradona-esque it was. Yeah. Um, there's nothing more you can say because even Spalletti's rotating the squads, you know, <laughs> leaving out big players like the likes. I was just looking at who he left out. So Rui, Zelinski, and Polit- uh, no, Lozano. And then he mm-hmm. still had uh, Politano, Elmas, and Oliveira still on. Yeah. And they still created that. And as we've all been purring, that awesome and goal. Oh. I mean, even the Kafara goal in itself was great. Um, and Sassuolo weren't even that terrible. No, Lorente had a chance, Defra yeah. had a chance, um, and then Raspadori was ruled out for this match. So again, mm-hmm. is there kind of murmurs of his injury coming to play? But uh, they're so strong at the moment. I think <laughs> they're trying to put off this kind of echelons of these claims of them being Champions League winners because they don't want the momentum to kind of be no. ruined at this moment no. in time. So... I think the fact that they've built such a points tally at this moment in time, it just looks like it's going to be theirs at this moment in time. But 
as I said, I think it's going to be we're looking at the end of April before we can confirm yeah. it definitely going to Napoli. Um, there are still a yeah. lot of nervous people in Naples. Don't worry. There yeah. are still a lot <laughs> yeah, of nervous because they know that if it, if it doesn't happen, it's going to be fucking embarrassing. <laughs> like, <laughs> they are still very, very nervous. But yeah, Napoli roll on. That Osman goal, I feel like the, the um, Consigli got a bit of stick for it. And I was like, there's no way he thought he was going to shoot from that. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way. And he was, just rockets it past him. It was a bit like the Seamus Coleman goal for Everton. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the weekend, yeah. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the key, you, and as a keeper, you would be like, yeah, 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 going to hit it from there, is it? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> this, yeah. yeah, before you too realize, like, it, I did feel Melier was a bit more towards his six yard yeah. box than the um, Sassuolo yeah. goalkeeper. But, yeah, yeah, so it's, um, but that, I thought with um, Napoli, they could have had five or six easily. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, Austin Hen, he scored once, but he probably had three or four easier chances, yeah. well, easier than inverted commas, but easier chances to probably bag a hat trick on another day. Um, it's... well, they, they, yeah, well, they've now scored 56 goals in 23 games. They've only conceded 15. Their goal difference is 41. And I'm not even going to count how many games they've won in a row now. They're just winning all of them. Um, So Napoli, just incredible, incredible stuff. But very quickly, before we do head off to the Premier League and a break, I want to very quickly say, is Orsolini's form enough to get him a call-up in the next national squad? Adam, I know you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, I do, because obviously we've been talking up his credentials last few weeks for Bologna in terms of his stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the goal that he scored against Sampdoria, and it's a breakaway kind of chance, he kind of comes in on his left foot and shoots in. It was an incredible hit. And Orsolini just seems to be really pulling it up this season in particular. I mean, he can do it from a penalty spot. He seems a bit like he can do it from set pieces. He just looks really like someone that can slot in and do almost what Insignia did for Italy. I feel he's that Mm -hmm. kind of player. And I know he's got a bit of previous, um, but again, I I do feel like he can easily do a job for Mancini, um, even if it is just one campaign or just coming off the bench, for example. I think, you know, you've got a really exciting Italy national squad. It's just a case Mm -hmm. of getting them to play together, it seems. That seems to be the issue at the moment. Because you think about going into the next championship, I'd be really talking up about Italy's chances. Yeah. You you think about the players we've talked about, even in the Prem, for example, Notto as well. Like you've got to somehow find a place for him as well at some point. Um, they just need to they just need to be asked with games that aren't major tournaments. That's because <laughs> yeah. every time you see Italy friendlies and qualifies, they just like they just give off this. Oh, we can't be asked. We just want to get to the real thing yeah. and forget the actually yeah. have to qualify for it. Because uh, once they're at major <laughs> tournaments, they're, they they go up a gear. Yeah. Mate, it's the same with the supporters. Nobody here watches qualifiers or friendlies. They're like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> I'm only watching the tournament. Like, you know that. Yeah, you've got to play them. You know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. While we're on the theme of the Italy national squad, did you see Kalini doing his kind of turn in for LA um, FC? He did this okay. that esque turn, which everyone <laughs> in the crowd went ooh like that, basically. <laughs> It was Whoa. hilarious seeing this 38-year-old period around these American defenders. It was joy. joy <laughs> I said, but less so. for you in one hit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I just want to very quickly say, Orsolini in his last four games has got three goals and two assists. 
He's absolutely killing it. And that goal was an absolute rocket as well. Thiago Motta quietly doing a very good job in Bologna after kind of not like flat, underwhelming Inspezia, I'm going to say. He's doing very, very well at Bologna. So very good to see that. But guys, we are going to leave Serie A there for now. And we are going to go to the Premier League right after this. Hi, I'm Phil Brown and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. And here we are. It's Premier League time and we need to start in one place. I'm going to insist we're starting at Villa Park. And the reason we're starting (laughs) at Villa Park is because on Saturday, I'm sat having lunch with my lovely girlfriend. (laughs) Arsenal are currently 2-1 down and I get a message from Andy going, ah, typical February bottle job. Arsenal bottling it. And I was trying to be like, obviously, the girlfriend could tell that something had happened because I'd gone very quiet. And then, <laughs> and then Arsenal equalized. And I just replied to Andy, suck a fat one, because I was massively ready for us to get this. Now, what happened was we were going to the Egyptian Museum, right? And the whole thing is underground, right? So the game is like 89th minute, and we've got to go in because we've booked the, the, the museum. And I was like, right, okay, yeah, we're going in. As I'm going in, my signal dies, but I just get a message from my from my cousin saying winner, but I don't know who it's for, right? So I'm in this crypt and I have to <laughs> run out of the museum, run up the stairs, and I see these two guards that are like checking tickets, and I'm like, Calcio, 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 like pointing at my phone, like I'll be two minutes, I'll be two minutes, ran out of the door to get signal to get the messages at like three, two, four, two, celebrated to myself, and then ran back into the museum as everyone was looking at me. I ended up running down the escalator that was going up. Um <laughs> so people were like full on staring at me. Um, but it was worth it because we got the win. And bloody hell, this week has been on, like I literally messaged my cousin earlier during the game, like, this season's done. Just call it. We're out. Um, like, as long as you finish above United, I don't care. Let's just, like, see it off. And then within 40 minutes, it's back on, boys. And I can't believe it. How do we keep doing this? I think Villa were, like, we were shocking defensively first off. Those first two goals, we were piss poor. Like, Saliba absolutely stacks it on the first goal. So does Ben White. Um, the second goal, no one gets near Coutinho. We were far too open, just mm. piss poor first off. Saka, the only player, again, who's able to step up and just drag us into a game. Uh, great volley, by the way. Like That was an unbelievable hit, the way he hits that. But whatever Arteta said second off, completely turned it round. Zinchenko getting his first ever Premier League goal. Jorginho bouncing it in off Martinez's head. <laughs> and then Martinez going up and ended up conceding a goal. And Martinelli conceding, uh, celebrating before he scores a goal. Everything about it was so delicious. Um, and even afterwards, like the piss boiling that Arteta has been doing with his thing with the with the referee yeah. and everyone getting wound up about him, I just love him. I absolutely love him. If it was Mourinho, people would be calling it charming. But because it's Arteta, people fucking hate it. It's brilliant. Um, but that win without the emotion is absolutely massive because if we'd have lost that game, mm. I think the whole season derails. I think... Genuinely, I'd have been looking at going, okay, are we going to end up getting conference league here? Because like, I feel like this season really would have only gone one way. But a moment like that and a performance like that properly turns it around. Helped by Chris Wood, of course. Thank you, Chris Wood. Um, Eternally grateful. But um, I'm going to go to Andy first. Um, You can have a bit of humble pie. How did it feel to watch Arsenal turn that around? Oh, man. No, to be fair, like you guys... 
deserved it. I think I hit the send button on WhatsApp a little bit. <laughs> I should have just prematurely. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was definitely a bit premature with that one. I thought, here we go. But then again, you know, I'm used to ask. It's not like it's come out of nowhere. We're used to Arsenal doing this every single year since about 2006. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, we. It, it did feel like all oh, the fixes are piling up. They've lost a couple of the games recently. They've gone two one down. Like you could sort of see it happening, but as well as me having to eat some humble pie, fair enough. Um, see Martinez having to eat humble pie because that was fantastic. Because let's be honest, like he's been winding everybody up recently. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a shit ass when it comes to penalties and. You know, he's marketed himself as being a World Cup winning shithouse. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's very much proud of it. And he tries giving it the, um, you know, the big dick energy. But to get humbled by Jorginho, first of all, by the ball, coming back off mm. the bar, hitting him on the back of the head, and then going oh, in the net. If that man. isn't embarrassing enough, he's, um, you know, he's gone up for a corner. Um, I think he's going to do something. Been humbled again, caught on the counter, mm. nowhere near the ball. And I think, um, well, Emery said after the game he wasn't particularly happy. At the all. way he full on uh, called him oh, out. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, fuck me, I wouldn't be surprised if he's dropped for the next game. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. it felt like that bad. I felt like it's like, come on, mate, you, you can't just because you won a World Cup, you can't just go out there yeah. doing what you want. And at mm. the end of the day, there's a reason why he's played for Aston Villa and not Arsenal. <laughs> I think, I think these are the like, it often comes down to personality and to like your mental kind of where you are mentally. Stay, and you yeah. have to ask why Wenger never, ever, ever played him. <laughs> like, never played him, kept sending him out alone. Unbelievable goalkeeper. But like, you said if you're going to spend your entire career shit housing you have to be able to take it when people shit house you back um and i think martinelli doing the cheeky little celebration before it went in <laughs> seeing stan collymore getting so angry about it oh it's all so <laughs> lovely it's all so lovely um but adam what do you think this means for the title race city do drop points they've not been able to win three games in a row all season arsenal have won five in a row once and four in a row twice <laughs> Do we think Arsenal are just more consistent than City at this point? Is that the difference? I don't know, because if you think about how that momentum was going up to that game, I think there was a certain twist that happens, especially when they beat you at the mm -hmm. Emirates. And I think this result psychologically at the time, because if you think about it, it was an early kickoff. Had Arsenal drawn or lost, potentially Man City go into the Forest game a bit more relaxed, potentially yeah. not necessarily trying to get a result as they were. And I think that maybe changes the dynamic. As I said on Thursday, I still think there's a lot of twists and turns in this kind of title race. I can't take it. And I, 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 I think the fact that Man City are still in the Champions League, they're going to be wanting to get that, I think, more so than the title. Don't mm. get me wrong, they'll want the title as well. But I think if there's a choice, they'll probably want the Champions League more so. Um, and the fact that you've got Man United putting a bit more pressure as well, mm. I think they're playing some really good stuff. Um, credits to Ten Hag, what he's doing. I think there's still a room where they can be, and I think it was shown in that Leicester game, there's elements where they seem to be dragged on that left-hand side in particular, where they were exposed a few times by Leicester players. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that if it takes one, like maybe sending off, I, I think it's a bit that should have been sent off, etc., then I think that changes that complexity. Mm -hmm. But back to Arsenal and Man City, I think it's going to twist and turn be between the results as well. Um, but I think 
Arsenal might have a bit more momentum now going forward because I think mm-hmm. that really helps them out. It means they've battled through this kind of period. Now they have to win the next game. I think yeah. that's the most important thing is what happens with the next game. But yeah, I think, yeah, Man City are still there. They yeah, still they're still there. not far. They're still not far. Yeah, Our exactly. game in the hand is against Everton, of course, who beat us, and we do have Leicester next. So two games, in theory, touch wood, touch all the wood, that we should be winning, but we will see how we do. Just a huge mm. win. I absolutely, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Fabio Vieira's pass for Martinelli Ooh. was fantastic. Erdegaard, after missing the open goal, stepped up and was unbelievable. Um, I just think there's a lot of character in that team. I do want to see Kieran Tierney a bit more, though. I do. Yes. Like, I love Zinchenko, but I want to see Tierney as another option. I think off the bench, he could really do something for us as well. But we're going to leave Arsenal there at the top of the table two points clear and we're going to go down or up to Old Trafford where Marcus Rashford scores again nobody can stop him what has Ten Hag done to Rashford Andy I think it's just um giving a bit of and Benny McCarthy sorry and Benny yeah, McCarthy Benny McCarthy yeah <laughs> but no I think there's always that level of talent within Marcus Rashford I think um over the past 18 months going into the season, you know, he picked up quite a bad back injury, was probably mm. rushed back and overplayed by Manchester United on quite a few occasions. Last season, the season before that, he had a very, you know, he had obviously in terms of the Euros, missed the penalty. Um, so he had a very rough 12 to 18 months, probably both at a personal level and both at a footballing level as well. And I think given what was going on at Manchester United last season, it didn't seem to be much care um from the club to what was going on there and i think um what ten hogs been able to do is come in put an arm around the shoulder of players who go look you've got the potential to be a lot lot better mm-hmm. you know you've seen it the way that he um handled this Jaden sancho situation he's actually gone you know what take a few months do what you need to do to come back um and he'll be fine. And I think with mm-hmm. Rashford, he needs to be, I think he needs to be the main guy. I think he needs to be told, even if he's not necessarily starting up front, he needs he needs to know he's starting week in, week out in more or less the same position. Um, and I think what you're seeing is um, his ability come through, but with uh, with confidence, he's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's put together a consistent run of games, he's fit. And when he's running at the ball with, yeah, there's only a handful of players which are as good as he has with the ball yeah. with speed. You know, you look at Mbappe as an example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not comparing the two players because unless he does that season in, season out, you can't. But, yeah. you know, the, like, you know, over years, you see the likes of Ryan Robben, like, you know mm-hmm. what he's going to do, but he runs with, he, he runs, he's direct, you know what he's going to do, you just can't do anything to stop yeah. it. And he's finishing, yeah, yeah. which is probably something that Benny McCarthy has worked on, is a lot more clinical. I mean, that he seems um, a lot calmer. He just seems a lot yeah. calmer in front of goal, that right? First, it's like, first, the first goal was a classic example of that. Last season, he would have missed that. In fact, I saw mm-hmm. him miss yeah. easier chances than that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just through hesitation or trying to overthink it. Whereas, um, you know, this season, he's just picking his spot and, and just sticking it in. Um, I get I get huge like mindfulness vibe from his um celebration as well. He just closes his eyes, huge big <laughs> deep breath. Yeah. It's like he's just settling himself. I find it really calming. I reckon he's just like centering himself. It's really beautiful to watch. But there's a player we also need to we've been giving him a bit of stick, but De Gea in the first 
early kind of period, I'm going to say 10, 20 minutes of that game, yeah. Leicester really came at you. Oh, yeah. He made some massive saves. Oh, yeah. We were ropey as shit for the first mm. 20 minutes. It could have been mm. two down yeah. um, easily. And James Madison in the match of the day interview afterwards said as much mm. is that they created plenty of chances. But one thing that De Gea always, he always has been, always will be, is a world-class shot stopper. Mm. Um, you know, he has deficiencies in his game in terms of his distribution, but ultimately when we need him to make a save, he invariably makes them. Um, and, you know, he's very unconventional with his saves, making them with feet, with his hands, sliding all over the place. You know, the save from Ineacho was um, just incredible reflexes, like nine times out of ten that goes in. Um, so, yeah, I think he deserves a lot, a lot of credit. Um, and I think one thing I am looking forward to is seeing what's a bit uh, and um, Casemiro could do in the centre midfield because I bet they can both get sent off. They probably could both get <laughs> sent off, and you know what? Probably Sabitzer was probably a little bit lucky against Leicester. To be fair, um, I think had that gone against Manchester, I probably would have been going like, right, send him off, send him off. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't look deliberate, and it didn't look you know too much force, but it was dangerous and above the knee. Yeah. At the end of the day, you see some bad injuries caused out of it. So yeah. Leicester probably could feel right to be agreed. But yeah, I think Jade Sancho just want to praise um, how he's come back. Unbelievable. Yeah, like that, unbelievable. That third, that third goal was the best party football I've seen for Man United in a couple of years. It was just one touch, people running into mm-hmm. space, funds off the balls. And you, know, you weren't seeing that. And I think Ten Hag deserves a lot of credit because yeah. he seems to be turning out results more or less week in, week mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody expected Manchester United to be third in the table in his pushing. first season. In. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're pushing. Yeah. And I think the ex, you know, this week's a massive week. If he could come out of this week, you know, with beating Barcelona and winning a trophy on Sunday, um, that is an awful lot of credit yeah. he'll have in the bank. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, and but I think- we do. Oh, sorry, Andy, but we do yeah. need to talk about Leicester. And Adam, I'm going to go to you for Leicester. Vout um, Feiss, he's an interesting character. I found him very, yeah. very hard, hard to predict what he was going to do next. Um, I felt like, as you said, Leicester started incredibly brightly, but I think him and Sutar still need to figure out what each other are going to do, right? They got pulled apart so many yeah. times. What did you make of Leicester's performance? I think Leicester just building on that momentum in the last few games, they've been quite confident. I feel like attacking-wise, they are one of the best sides out there when they're at full force. Um, they just need to be a bit more clinical in front of goal. And you can't really argue because any other goalkeeper, I'm sure that goes in. Um, Harvey Barnes, mm-hmm. for example, I think it was first two minutes of the match, almost scores. And if that goes in, I think the dynamics of the match definitely changes thereafter. But yeah, like you say, it's at the back. They seem to always have this problem. Sionchu was the problem beforehand. Now it's Fares. But I think the difference is you've got two youngish kind of Mm -hmm. centre-backs. They're learning their trade. I think a few games, few maybe a few seasons together, they could be a formidable kind of partnership because you've got someone that's kind of strong in Sutar. Faye seems a bit more agile to an extent. Mm-hmm. He likes yeah, to put yeah, himself yeah. out of there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Castagna is another one that I really like. I think in the back line, I think he's a really good prospect. I think yeah. if he was plucked and put into a Man United team or say even Arsenal, I think he'd do a job. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I think yeah, he offers yeah, yeah. you a really well-balanced fullback that kind of defends and also attacks at the same time. So... I think considering the season Brendan Rodgers has had at the beginning, 
to what they are delivering right now, I think it's incredible. Um, and I think it just shows you what a bit of patience does. Like, I mean, if you think, remember at the beginning of the season, everyone wanted him out of that job. Yeah. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Leicester City fans are quite happy with him right now. I d- remember when I, I spoke think they're to a bit more empathetic. The they're a bit this more empathetic to the situation, aren't they? They're a bit more like, okay, we know what is happening and why we are where we are. And don't forget, they did the move argument. on a few of the key guards, you know, of the old uh, squad, yeah, you know, yeah. and likes of Casper Schmeichel now at Nice, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought they wouldn't recover from that, but they have. You know, Danny Ward, for all his sins, he seems to be doing a few good jobs in matches, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's not all bad, um, but I'm sure in the summer they'll reinvest some of the money that they've got again, go again. Um, I think the most important thing is they they probably overachieved over the last few seasons. That's probably yeah. what it is. That's the thing. So we expect yeah. them to be at a certain level, whereas they're probably more likely to be mid-table style club. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those Man United on tune at the moment. They're the yeah. form team at the moment, and they're going to win those kind of games. So fair play to Leicester, just a bit more clinical edge. And I think eventually they'll have to replace the likes of Vardy anyway. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's see. Who's yeah, I think the second they didn't score in the first 10, 20 minutes, I was like, okay, United are winning this now. It was yeah. vitally important that Leicester got that early goal. They just, as you said, weren't quite able to do it. Guys, there's an update from Torino Cremonese. Cremonese have managed to add five minutes to how long they've been ahead in the game. They went 2-1 against Torino in the 74th minute through Valeri, but then Singo equalized in the 79 oh. <laughs> so thrown it away again but they do have five more minutes where they've been in the lead in Serie A so you know not all is lost um mm. we do need to go on not yet anyway we do need to go on in the Premier League there's still a few minutes left and we need to talk about now we talked about this this game we said it was going to be a thriller it was a 1-0 as Brighton lost 1-0 at home to Marco Silva's Fulham and We've talked about Baroni, manager of the season. Is Marco Silva, or should Marco Silva, be an outside outside shout for manager of the season? Freshly promoted into the Premier League, and Fulham now find themselves all the way up in sixth on 38 points. Um, They've won 11, drawn five, lost eight. They're only three points off Newcastle in fifth. Like They have a real shout of getting Europe this year. Andy, how surprised have you been by Fulham? I honestly didn't even think there'd be anywhere near this. No, uh, nor did I. I thought, a bit like with Bournemouth especially, they'll be scrapping it out at the bottom mm-hmm. of the table. Um, you know, I mean, it didn't go as absolutely mental as he had in the previous transfer windows, but I plus with Marcus Silva as well, he didn't have a particularly got Hall relegated. Uh, he didn't have a particularly great time with it at Everton, but he's um, he seems to have found a club and a group of players that suit how he wants to play. And I think it's also worth pointing out he's adapted um, his own style as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Tim Tim Ream, who's hardly a spring chicken, yet he's playing every week and putting in great performances. He's having and a class he's, season. Yeah, he's having the proper sort of Indian summer, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I, I always thought Tim Ream was at best championship level. Yeah. And I thought you can't be staying in the Premier League with him as your centre-back and captain. But to be fair, they've... Um, 
they've got a few players, you know, like Willian, like Andres Pereira, like Tim Ream. You know, Willian has run more than I saw him run the entire time at Arsenal. I yeah, cannot believe this is the same player. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, it feels like they've got, you know, he's been able to get a little bit more out of probably players who are unwanted elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Harrison Reeds was another one who didn't get a look in at Southampton, and yet they could probably yeah, do with yeah. him in the centre of midfield yeah. at the moment. Um, but no, and I think with Leno as well, I mean, all right, he wasn't what Arsenal needed, but certainly for Fulham, he's been fantastic. He's an international uh, level goalkeeper. Who, yeah, uh, like when we sold him, I was like, we could have got way more money for him. We could have got so much more money for him. He's a great keeper, and I think also Palinia in midfield has just been one of the signings of the season. Like a fantastic yeah. player, and but I they think built a hell of a squad there. And obviously, the goal scorer Solomon, who bought at the end of January transfer window, he looks a player. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, yeah, really composed finish, especially like you know right at the death as well. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, He's certainly up there for manager of the year, um, most most certainly. And I think, you know, Brighton probably dropped a few points and probably did expect to in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. So maybe a bit of reality setting in for the Zerbi's lot. But no, I think for them, very much deserving of where they are at the moment. Nice. And Adam, for Brighton, a little bit of a disappointing one. As Andy says, kind of form dipped a little bit recently. I I suppose this is their first loss in five games, right? One drawn, one drawn. Now they've lost. But Mm -hmm. they're still not a million. They've got two games in hand on Fulham. So they still are definitely involved in this European run, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think you could see how the frustration got to Deserby. The fact that he got sent off in the tunnel as opposed to being on the pitch itself um he definitely got frustrated <laughs> with this particular match um but you, you know what yeah i think if you would have given brighton fans or even fulham fans the place that they are in right now i think they would have taken it at the beginning of the season because certainly for me just a hands up i had fulham relegated this season i didn't mm-hmm. think they would do what they've done this season so full kudos to silva i didn't think he would do the job that he's done because if you remember his previous exchanges with Watford, um, Hull and Everton didn't look this way. They didn't certainly play in this manner. I think they, I think he's learned a lot in that time. Mm-hmm. It has to be said. I think he's become a bit more grounded, pragmatic, but also playing the right style of football that probably Fulham fans want to see. Um, and he's getting the best out of these kind of players that Andy alludes to. You know, it's incredible. You think some of these players have been plucked out of the championship and are playing consistently in the Premier League. So fair play to him. And yeah, Brighton, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's just a blip in this kind of race at the moment. Yeah, it was. We expected more goals, slightly disappointed, but never mm, mind. Elsewhere, we do absolutely. I can't believe we've not got there yet. Um, I just need to find the banner because I can't believe we've delayed it this long. Oh, Chelsea, <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? Um, now, I don't know if you saw the video of um, Cesar Azpilicueta trying to get all the players riled in the tunnel. And he's like, come on, boys, we fucking win this. Come on. And he runs up and everyone else is just like, just no expression, nothing. They all just stroll onto the pitch. I was like, 
That's all right. Yeah. At least the players are only on eight-year contracts. You'll be fine. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, that was depressing. That was a depressing performance from Chelsea. Bottom of the league. Now, Ward-Prowse, we need to talk about his fantastic free-kick technique, like how he gets both legs off the ground as he hits it. Just a beautiful, beautiful um, goal. But obviously, sorry, Southampton fans, we're going to talk about Chelsea. What the frig is going on there? Again, it feels like... Why did they not buy a striker? Adam, what is happening at Chelsea? Andy, I'll get your thoughts in a minute. Why didn't they buy a striker? Well, technically, they did have a striker, which was bloody useless. Um, but yeah, just to bring, it, him to bring it back to the Southampton <laughs> connection, uh, I've heard this stat today. Um, Graham Potter has actually got a worse win percentage than Nathan Jones. And that Ooh. just mind boggles, which kind of shows how painful it is. Um, but... Oh, yeah, I think it's four wins in the last 15 games as well. Like, and yeah, they've conceded, I think it's 11 goals so far this season, or in that kind of range, should I say, in that kind of split period. But um, yeah, it's not looking too pretty at the moment. And I bet you're glad you didn't sign Mudrick at the moment because he looks terrible. Like, he he, doesn't lost, look, doesn't he look lost possession like 20 times. Back. It's just incredible. But I think what, what's mesmerising is that they s- seem to be losing players that have been like kind of the focal point of Chelsea. So Mason Mount's refused to sign a new contract. Kante looks like he's definitely gone, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam Gallagher only coming on as a sub. But interestingly, like even Chelsea fans are shouting at the manager to do something. There's apparently just when Asper Coletta went down on the deck, if you remember, yeah, basically yeah. one of Chelsea fans says... Fucking do something, Potter. Have a word with your fan, like players. And apparently, Reese James and Potter looks up. Then he kind of murmured to himself and then decided to pretend he was talking to someone. Like it was just baffling, but it's not pretty. I don't think Chelsea fans are going to give him time. And if they don't win against Dortmund, I think that's curtains. I think he's gone before yeah. the end of the season. I can't see him surviving. I don't know what. Well, Andy they thinks. are now as close to the relegation zone as they are to the European places. <laughs> Um, it could be Tommy Tuchel who keeps him in the Premier League if it continues like this. We do not know. But Andy, for Southampton, we need to give him a bit of plaudits, right? Not digging on um, on Chelsea too much. Classic no new, ma- no new manager bounce. I did see in um, James Ward-Prowse's post-match, he said, oh, it feels like a clean slate. There's a bit of fresh air. There was definitely a few digs about that prick's gone, so now we yeah, can concentrate. I think, right? Yeah, I think it's just the not being Nathan Jones bounce. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think that's the only bounce they needed, to be honest. And, um, you know, it probably still looks like that decision will probably cost Southampton very, very dearly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, it's, a, it's a fantastic result for them. They've, they've dug in. And it is the, the kind of result where that can maybe spur them on. Um, to get a few wins on the bounce, um, you know they've they've struggled race all season really, but they have mm-hmm. got you know what I'd say are very sort of some winnable games coming up. You know they've got South out Leeds coming up, um, which I think is a winnable game for given where Leeds are. Very vital. <laughs> they feel like the Salernitana of the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> you know they've got obviously got Brentford at home, even Leicester City at home. They probably found mm-hmm. they probably fancy their chance of maybe getting a couple of results. They, you know they've got Southampton as well in the next few, uh, so West Ham in the next yeah. few weeks as well. So they've got games which they'll probably look at and think they can probably get points out of this season. And even mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, they've got Nottingham Forest, they've got Fulham, okay. Bournemouth, like. 
they're running towards the end of the season could be a lot lot worse than it is we mm-hmm. know right they've got liverpool last game of the season but obviously liverpool at the end of the season they've got nothing to play for they got battered six nil by stoke, stoke so they'll probably yeah. be all right so <laughs> yeah i think it's a, it's a it's they've got a long long way to go and uh, you know but if a one nil when it gets chelsea away from home doesn't give you mm-hmm. a bit of impetus i don't know what will no, I think I think you're right. And I was really impressed with um, Bednarek at the back. I thought it was really good. I thought Bazunu made some really good saves. Love that guy. He's a great goalkeeper. Really want to keep him in the Premier League. Um, I thought he made some big saves. They defended incredibly well. Full on, like, committed defending. And Ainsley, Maitland, Niles blocking a goal as well. Good to see Arsenal getting involved there as well. Love that. Um, but the only other results in the Premier League, really, we need to very quickly talk about Gakpo and Nunez both scoring for Liverpool. Um, Gakpo now got a few goals in his in, a, in the last few games now, starting to look like he's getting finding his feet in the Premier League. And Liverpool find themselves only three points behind Fulham with a game in hand. Could Liverpool somehow find themselves in Europe this year after what has been an unmitigated disaster of a season? I think it would be really impressive. And I like the Gakpo and Nunes seem to be like, I think Nunes is getting a lot of stick. I've said it on the pod before, but I like that they seem to be forming a bit of a partnership. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I think he's always been a good player. I just always felt that he was a player that would, in time, get better and better. I think you mm-hmm. can't just judge him on this season, but certainly the signs are there that when he's on form and he can shoot as he does sometimes, um, then yeah, he can get the ball in the back of the net. And Gakpo, we know about his credentials. I just think it was just a case of working out how he works in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we saw Diego Jota come back as well as Firmino, I think obviously once you've got the core players back, then they'll feel a little bit more settled. It doesn't kind of distract away from the areas that need attention. So that midfield still needs some yeah. reinforcements. However, Certainly, if you think about what attacking options Liverpool have now going forward, it's a scary prospect. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you've compared them to the likes of your Brighton and a Fulham players or teams even, then, yeah, they've certainly got a slightly better set of players to bring on now. So, I and think we do, also, yeah. in, I was just thinking in the second midfield, uh, Stefan mm-hmm. Bajatek. He's been uh, great, he's, right? He's yeah, been, yeah. yeah. And I think they've, we've been saying all season they need... Um, something different in midfield to what they've been doing all season. Because obviously with Henderson and Fabinho, not you know Thiago, all struggling with their fitness this season. Um, I feel like we've um, obviously not been able to do it with transfer market. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've obviously had to look from within, and that's what they've done. Um, and I think the night of the day did quite a good analysis for them as well. And I think a little bit like Xabi Alonso in some ways where he, he can sit deep, spray it about, nice. you know, link, he links the play really nicely between sort of midfield and attack. Um, and I think even though he's what an 18 year old kid, I think certainly yeah, yeah. between now and the summer, he gives Liverpool a bit more balance. Breathing space, right? Yeah. yeah a little bit breathing space and also balance as well. They, it feels like they've, um, slowly you know unfortunately but it feels like they're slowly getting their shit together yeah yeah um and and for them to do it so like mid-season i think is actually quite (laughs) impressive if they can turn this into still getting european football i think that's huge Mm. we do have to very quickly say though they were massively helped by nick pope and i (laughs) this, this narrative that is forming of oh just let him play the final it's baffling to me because is it 
if it was Emmy Martinez, nobody would be saying that, right? No. Because not no, one person not. would be going, oh, let him play the final. Villa haven't won a cup in years. Let's play, let him play the final. I find it a really odd narrative that a lot of the kind of like Gary Neville, a lot of, no, not Gary Neville, Gary Lineker, sorry, and a lot of pundits are talking about. Does yeah. anyone else find it utterly mad? I was like, what are you talking about? The thing is, he's not the first or last player that will miss a final. No. Um, I remember with, no. with Manchester United, you know, Darren Fletcher missed out at the Champions League finals due to stupid yellow cards. Roy um, Keane missed Roy, one, eh? You know, yeah. Roy yeah. Keane, Paul Scholes have missed yeah. out. Yeah. There's big players that have missed out on absolutely huge games. It's just part and parcel of football. And unfortunately, he's done... If You, you know, if you handed... He, he, caught, he got caught in a panic. He made... He panicked... Um, you can see you're yeah. panicking, and yeah. that's what ought to be happened. And I think, I think what's, I think it's less about Nick Pope being sent off, and more about what replacements are there as a backup. So, <laughs> their backup keeper is uh, there is a narrative forming there, Andy, and I'd be quite also, scared if yeah, I were you. There is, and you know what, there is a possibility because Dubravka obviously played two League Cup matches for Manchester United. Um, and yes, he really was at Manchester United for a few months. <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes forget that happened, but it did. Um, and then uh, their backup, backup is uh, Loris Carius, uh, who infam- infamously was made to walk alone by the Liverpool fans. <laughs> 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 uh, and um, we've really recovered since. Um, and he's had a few low spells at Bestictas, and yeah, it's just generally speaking not worked out for, which is why he's third choice at Newcastle. But it would be a very Man United thing to happen for him to rock up at Wembley, put in the absolute performance of his life. So, um, all I'm, all I'm gonna say is on the run to that Champions League final, he did play all the games and keep like six clean sheets. I think there is a narrative forming here that he could just have a worldie, but we all know he's just gonna throw one into his net. We all know that's gonna happen because <laughs> yeah. that's life is cruel, unfortunately. But before we go we do need to very quickly do a two things we need to say firstly that our thoughts um and prayers go out to the family and uh friends of christian atsu after it was sadly announced that he had died in the earthquake in turkey i think this whole thing obviously is incredibly sad what really annoyed me was the way the story was reported on sky sports and by Fabrizio Romano, where they reported the fact that he had been found. He announced it like it was a transfer deal. I found the whole thing incredibly distasteful. And I just want to say my all of our sympathy from the pod. I'm sure I speak for Adam and Handy here yeah. as well. All of our sympathies go to the family and friends of Christian Atsu. Incredibly sad news. Um, so, yeah, we are going to have a very quick break. And then we're going to do a very, very quick Champions League. Preview. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo Italian Pod. Here we are, Champions League preview. And the big news is, boys, I'm going to be at Inter Porto. I am stupidly excited <laughs> about this Champions League knockout game at the San Siro. We saw what the atmosphere was like at, at Milan Spurs, right? You know, the mm. Inter fans are going to see it and be like, right, we need to go one bigger. I am crazy excited about this game. I'm actually getting my lesson covered so I can sneak off a little bit early. Join the boys for a few beers at the stadium. I can't wait. So the games this week in the Champions League, of course, we have Inter versus Porto, but that's on Wednesday. First, on Tuesday, we have Liverpool hosting Real Madrid. This feels like a semi-final. It was, of course, the final last year. Andy, in one sentence, how do you feel this game goes? 
I think I think um, and you'll be happy to. I think Inter will uh, do it. I think they've um, got enough quality in the bank to do that to get a result. So yeah, I think uh, ultimately Inter will see it through. I hope so. Adam, your thoughts on Liverpool Real Madrid? Oh, I think it's going to be tight. Um, I fancy this to be a draw. A draw, nice. I like it. Um, let's go for the next one. Eintracht Frankfurt Napoli. We've all been talking about Napoli's chances. <laughs> Are they the dark horses for the Champions League? I feel sorry for Frankfurt. I think Napoli are going to absolutely hit this one into the bleachers, as the Americans would say. Don't know why that came to my mind. Andy, what do you think for Napoli Frankfurt? Oh, I think it could be nasty for Frankfurt. To be honest, it could be, it could be a nasty one because I think. Even if um, Napoli put out a heavily rotated squad, as we've seen a few times mm-hmm. this season, if you know with uh, Cavadonna and uh, Ozimhen, they still got they could still score four or five easy. Plenty in the bank, and the only other game is RB Leipzig against Man City. Adam, what do you think about this one? I'm intrigued. I'm stroking my beard. I'm intrigued by yeah, this one. I think Man City will do the job, though. I can see them winning. Um, it's not <coughs> like Leipzig have been that convincing in the league, to be fair. So I think they might get away with a win. Yeah. Nice. Now we need to very quickly go to the Cool Kids Club. That is the Europa League. <laughs> and we have Andy, you're up against Barcelona. It's at home. How do we feel about it? Well, to be fair, we probably should have finished, finished off Barcelona at the new Camp, which would have been mm. an incredible result. But no, I think um, two two or draw with uh, going back to Old Trafford is a good result to come back with. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say we're definitely going to win, but I think we certainly have a very very good chance of doing so. Um, nice. And I think if we could get if we could beat Barcelona, that's probably the strongest team still left in the competition out. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Back off, man. (laughs) Moving on, we do have Nantes hosting Juve after a massive one-all draw in Turin. We've not really been able to cover. Um, Elsewhere, Midgetland getting a one-all draw. They so nearly Mm. beat Sporting. Uh, Sporting got a last-minute equaliser. We've got Monaco, Leifkusen, 3-2. That is Roma need to overturn a 1-0 loss in Salzburg as they host the Austrians. There's some very... Very exciting ties in the Europa League. And of course, Union Berlin against Ajax. That's currently nil-nil. I don't think it's going to end that way. And then in the even cooler kids club, which is the Conference League, we have the big games. Lazio did get a 1-0 win against Cluj. They now go to Romania to try and get the job done. Sheriff beat... No, Partizan did beat Sheriff 1-0. Sorry, Andy. Maybe Sheriff can turn that uh, turn that around and get a 2-1 win. Fiorentina scored all their goals as they beat Braga 4-0, so they should get through. And Lech Poznan Bodo Glimt was 0-0. Hopefully, Lech Poznan can get through. We want to see some Polish representation in European football. It's been a while. Listeners, viewers, everybody, we are finished. That is a long episode. Thank you for sticking with us. We love you all. Uh, guys, anything to say before I send these people off? No, always enjoyable. Yep, lovely to be on as always. Beautiful. So, guys, as always, thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe down here. Follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. Find us on LinkedIn. Subscribe, all them things. It's been a long day, guys. We will see you on Friday morning.
Social Podcast Network.